get you ready for today's action, here's the voice of the Bulls, Jim Lauk. Good morning from Raymond James Stadium. A big day for the South Florida Bulls today as they continue to chase bowl eligibility. They need two more wins. They've got three tries to do it, including today against the Temple Owls. Bulls four and five on the season. Temple is three and six. The Owls had lost five in a row before bouncing back last week to beat Navy 32 to 18. They've had trouble this year scoring points at times, but it's a much different story with their quarterback E.J. Warner back from injury. He threw it all over the field against Navy last week, leading Temple to a victory. For the Bulls, two more home games, one on the road, and a chance for the first bowl game since 2019 if they can come up with two more wins. We have a beautiful morning here, bright sunshine. It's a little bit warmer than you might think for November. Temperatures will be in the mid-80s as the Bulls and Owls kick it off right about 12 noon today. Busy two hours coming up. We'll hear from the head coach, Vice President of Athletics, Michael Kelly will be here. Offensive, defensive coordinators as well. All you need to know to get set for this big game today. So let's get started. We'll go up top in the press box with Jim Lighthall. All right, thank you very much, Jim, as we are high above the floor of Raymond James Stadium for the South Florida Bulls and the Temple Owls today, one of the three owls that the Bulls are facing on this season. And what a big game this is on this Saturday afternoon at 12 o'clock. Of course, Temple comes into town, as Jim mentioned, at 3-6, and six, but they have beaten the Bulls four of the last five times they've met. They are only one in three all-time here at Raymond James Stadium. And really, when you go back and start look at this rivalry, and it has been a little bit of a rivalry uh, in the American Conference. They, they, Temple had the one huge win that cost Willie Taggart and his bunch a conference championship that year. That one still rubs me the wrong way. But this Temple team wasn't very good a year ago, but they really beat up on USF. Now the Bulls have a chance to respond to that, to get revenge from that loss a year ago up at Lincoln Financial, and they could do it here in an NFL stadium as well. Of course, the Bulls come in off that high-scoring loss at Memphis last week. They've dropped three of their last four games, but Alex Golish has them in position to get to a bowl game. But again, they really need a victory here today, which, by the way, is our salute to service game. Happy Veterans Day, everyone. We thank you for your service, including Steve Carney back in our network studio. Steve is a Navy guy. All right, for Temple, they've lost 12 straight games on the road. They obviously have not won a road game this season. That's the second longest active streak in the country. Only Vanderbilt has a longer losing streak, and they've lost 14 games in a row. Stan Drayton is their second-year head coach. He's 6-15, and 15, still trying to get Temple back to where they were at one time. Uh, this is a program that's kind of been up and down, really, over the last decade, but every good coach that they have they end up losing them to another program. So going to be a fun one here this afternoon. Temple leads the all-time series 6-3. Bulls with a great opportunity in the hot Florida sun to take care of the Owls and get win number five and get one more closer to bowl eligibility. We do have a full two-hour pregame for you throughout the course of this morning. Don't forget, Derek Sharp will be down at the Stampede, the tailgate in the south parking lot. That's coming up. Sam Barrington will join us. What is Sam thinking? Sam will have his thoughts throughout the course of this two hours. Joey Johnston will take us back 
to this general vicinity date-wise in USF football history. A lot to look forward to there. And we'll hear from Alex Golish as well as both coordinators. USF and Temple on a Saturday afternoon. Going to be a beautiful day. Going to be a hot day at Raymond James Stadium. When we come back, the tailgate begins right here, the pregame show on Bulls Unlimited. As the parking lots opened about 7 o'clock, we got breakfast with the Bulls here today in the pregame show. Parking lots opened around 7. The stampede, of course, began around 9.45. Derek Sharp is always right in the thick of it, and we check in with Derek this morning. All right, Coach, first chance to ask you, you know, when did everybody get up this morning? What was the routine like as far as being different? Yeah, we, we got up, we got rolling. We had pregame at 8 a.m., and... You know what, we, we practice, we start meetings at 725 every morning, so the guys were up, juicy, ready to roll. That was a challenge to them last night, man. Can we wake up and start fast? And obviously that's been been a Achilles heel all year, and so I'm hoping this noon start gets us going. Uh, one Coaching is one profession where you have to be a night owl and a morning person. If there was no football involved, which would you be? <laughs> I'd be a morning person, man. I, <laughs> nice. I love to get up, get going, and go crush the day early. All right, let's do it. What do you think about the team's mindset going into this one? You know what? These guys are ready. The challenge to us is can we start fast? Can we play harder than them for longer? And it's a it's a warm day. Yes. It, it'll be it'll be an incredible test. We talked last night just about, about how you go to bed tonight and know that you left everything you had. You know, I think – at times, we have shown that we would play harder for longer. At times, I feel like there's a confidence lack, and the confidence lack comes from an immaturity. So our growth right now is to grow up as fast as we can because we got to go get this one. Thank you, Coach. Thank you. Go Bulls. I love it. And I love his shirt, by the way. He's kind of got that mixture of camo and normal polo action going on, sort of the gray with the black undertones. Yes, we do. A little bit of a fashion situation here. Really cool that you've got, let's see, there's a DJ on the Tiki Hut here. Got to have a Tiki Hut. There's Kaylee Cottrell. Of course, she's at all big events. And the cheerleaders as well. A lot of fans ready to greet the Bulls. They got the wake-up call probably even earlier than 725. I know Jim Lauk was up at approximately 4 a.m., so he'll be back shortly. But until then, Jim Lighthall is going to take you out the gate. All right, thank you very much, Derek. And uh, I was told that Alex Golish was a sweaty mess coming into the stadium. To, um, speaking of sweaty messes. I can neither confirm nor yes. <laughs> speaking of sweaty messes, uh, we'll talk to Joey Johnston coming up in the next segment. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Joey. Joey, in November, Joey is expecting to have a nice, cool afternoon on the sidelines, and that's not going to be the case for him today. Joey, hopefully the elevator is still broken. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I had to come up from the stampede. Okay, good. <laughs> uh, Get out the gate. So, real quick, uh, again, salute to service game. We will see the Bulls with some red, white, and blue in their uniforms today, which is always really, really cool. Um, great job by the season ticket holders to step up this week. They've donated 7,000 tickets to active military service members and their families. I just think that's absolutely awesome. Speaking of an early start, you can kick off your game day with breakfast at Wendy's. Score a free honey butter chicken biscuit with any purchase during breakfast on game day mornings. Still got time to get there. Available at participating Tampa area Wendy's while supplies last. Wendy's is a proud partner of USF Athletic. Temple, two and eight all time, or two and eight in their last 10, that is, coming into the state of Florida. And you got to think today because game time temperature is going to feel like 92 degrees. That might weigh on these owls a little bit. You know, they've been in nice, more, or nice cool temperatures of Philadelphia over the last month or so. Uh, they snapped their five-game losing streak with that win at Navy. 
one of the things that they weren't doing very well was stopping people. They were giving up nearly 48 points per game during that five-game losing streak. Now, they only gave up 18 in the win against Navy, but also getting back quarterback E.J. Warner helped, and uh, their offense has really taken off since then. By the way, today the Bulls have an opportunity to pick up their 99th win ever in this building, which obviously sets up for the last regular season game. Should the Bulls take care of business today, they would get win number 100 all-time at RJS in the season regular season finale against Charlotte. Quick note, Sean Atkins gets recognized this week, one of 10 semifinalists for the 2023 Burles Worth Trophy. This goes to the nation's best former walk-on. I love this trophy. Of course, college football has all kinds of them for, for pretty much every position uh, out there on the field and now for walk-ons as well. And Sean Atkins is seven receptions away from setting the single season or at least matching Rodney Adams' single season record of 67. Byron Brown, we're expecting a big game out of him today. Uh, many people don't know this, but he joins LSU's Jaden uh, Daniels as the only quarterbacks in the nation with over 2,200 yards passing and 600 yards rushing. When you start talking about Daniels at LSU, even though they've lost like three games, some people are saying he might be the front runner right now for the Heisman Trophy. And Byron Brown, who's a freshman, doing the same exact things that he's doing in Baton Rouge. And there's also some Bucks and Temple ties for this game today. Todd Bowles and Bruce Arians, former coach, current coach of the Buccaneers, both are Temple guys as well. Hopefully they're not over on the Temple sideline today. They need to know where their bread is buttered, and that's right here at Raymond James Stadium with the Buccaneers. Back inside Raymond James Stadium on this Saturday, coming up at 12 o'clock today, the South Florida Bulls will play host to the Temple Owls. USF looking to even up that season record at 5-5 five and five and get back to 500 inside the league as well at 3-3, three and three, but they got to take care of Temple to do it. Time now to welcome in Joey Johnston for the first time. Joey will be on the sideline for this game today. and Good to see you, Joey. Uh, we worked a basketball game on Thursday, so it's not like we've been apart for an entire week for a change, so good to see you. But uh, kind of nice to finally play some meaningful football games in the month of November again, huh? Absolutely. It's been a long time, and this is you know kind of what college football is all about. When you're coming down the stretch and you're playing for a conference title or playing for a postseason appearance, so... Certainly, it beats the alternative. So, very exciting uh, home atmosphere, hopefully, today, because a lot is at stake. The Bulls have played four of their last five games on the road, which makes this one so important, obviously. Uh, the, the lone exception out of those five games was the FAU game, which you lost. Uh, you got to defend your home field, and that's one of the things that Alex Golish said as soon as he got here. We must win our home games. And then when you start talking about these 50-50 games that the Bulls really were losing over the last three years, uh, these are a must win. Yeah, if you're a good home field team, then that just makes everything so much easier. That, Like you said, you can steal the 50-50 games or, or even pull some upsets. But uh, if, you, if you set the solid foundation where you, you know if you play six home games, for example, if you win four or five of them, well, there you go. You just have to get a couple on the road, and then you're in the postseason or, or, or a few more than that, and you're contending for a conference. So you want this to be – a difficult place to play. You want it to be loud. Certainly the heat and humidity at times is an advantage. So all of those things need to play in the Bulls' favor. Joey, tying the first two questions together into this one, if I would have told you at the start of the season that this team would be in line to go to a bowl or be bowl eligible by winning their last two home games, uh, what would you have said to me at that time? I don't think I would have 
uh, predicted that. Uh, I, I thought they were a year away from from perhaps getting in a bowl game. So my thinking all along has been if they if this USF team can find a way to get into the postseason, into a bowl game, huge, 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 huge win for Alex Golish's first season because it's only going to get bigger and better. As we uh, as we look at the calendar and we wrap up this second week in November, there have been a lot of big games in November for South Florida through their history. So take us back to this week in USF Bulls history. Well, I, I tried to try, tie this in nicely, and it worked perfectly. I'm, we're going to go back to 2015. The Temple Owls rolled in, the number 21-ranked Temple Owls for a night game here at Ray J. And the Bulls blast the Owls 44-23 to to become bowl eligible for the first time since 2010. Big, big moment. In fact, the fans stormed the field. I remember I was writing for the Tampa Tribune then and being on the field interviewing players as fans came running around us. I think I almost got knocked over, but I, I held my ground. Uh, yeah, you're a big guy. You can do that. Wouldn't allow the, the frat boys to, to, to put me on the turf. Uh, but what a, what a night that was. That was um, right in that, that, that zone where the Willie Taggart offense was really taking off. And, and that night, Temple had no answers. Marlon Mack rushed for 230 yards. Rodney Adams had long touchdown reception and caught seven passes. And, and, and Quentin Flowers, of course, was Quentin Flowers. So it was, it was the first you know, indication of, oh, my gosh, this isn't just a good offense. This is an offense that nobody can stop. And, Joe, I'm glad you, you talked about that window because there are three games that jump out to me immediately when you say something like that. The Temple game, they were ranked when Cincinnati came in here and the, the Bulls just the blew follow, their – The following week. Right, and blew their doors off. Yep. And then Navy came in ranked and USF jumped them right out of the gate. Those were all night games. Those were all blowouts. Those were all good teams that came in here and got wrecked by USF. Yeah, that was uh, – you know, some of those performances, uh, you know, certainly I think – we appreciated them. The local fans did. But, boy, I don't know that the, that that era of USF football ever got the national recognition it truly deserved. And certainly I've always believed that if Quentin Flowers was in a different maybe situation with a little more exposure, he would have been right up there in the Heisman Trophy uh, voting for sure. Well, hopefully nine years from now when you're talking about this week in USF history, you talk about this game today that got us close to bowl eligibility. So hopefully that's the case. That would be cool. That would be cool. Uh, and we'll, and when we get in the get crazy, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll tell you what I, what I think might happen oh. this afternoon. It's, All right, a little it's tease gonna be there. Just, just cr you know, crazy. I think that's the perfect way to say it. This guy's picking up this radio stuff really quickly. A yeah, little tease. It, it, it took only a few years, but I'm start, <laughs> starting to get the hang of it. All right, Joey, we'll catch up with you a little bit later on in the pregame show. Joey will be on the sidelines for the game today with the call along with Jim Lauk and Sam Barrington. All right. Speaking of sweaty messes, Derek Sharp has made his way back up here. In the, I thought your segue uh, was going to be a little bit better. Well, that... I'm when, sitting when, next to you. When does the, the sweaty mess <laughs> motif end on this program? By the I'm way. not sweaty not, or messy. Not honestly. today, my friend. Okay. Listen, uh, around the horns, a lot going on this week on campus, obviously. Uh, and a lot of highlights coming your way in the next handful of minutes. And speaking of unstoppable and high-scoring offenses, it was on display Thursday night at the Yingling Center. Kick back for a couple minutes here and enjoy many of the 96 points. Top of the key, wide open three. Yes, indeed. Reed set him up. And Miguel knocks down another triple, and boy, is he talking to his teammates on the way down. And the ball movement continues to be very, very impressive. The young blood, oh, he catches, he's going to shoot right away from three, and he made it! Oh, my, he shoots that like someone pulled the pin on a grenade. He gets rid of it in a hurry. Swing it around to Reed, three ball corner pocket, that's the true freshman. Three on two for the Bulls, bounce pass inside, Dobaloba, oh, and the big fellow with a two-handed dunk! 
freshman to freshman. Wow, how about that play right there? Shot clock off, stolen away by Reed. Out of breakaway, he's gonna go all the way in and lays it in over the rim. He almost dunked that thing with six seconds to go. Kobe Knox gets it ahead, foul, count it. Chris Youngblood trailing the play in. He was the stronger offensive player that time. Plus air push off, high arcing jumper, good. Oh, mercy did he bring rain with that one. Here's a miss by South Carolina State. Jaden Reed picks it up. Bulls coming four on two. Reed gets it to Hines. Oh, he went up the ladder and finished. Sam Hines comes flying out of section 204 for the two-handed dunk. Hines crushed it. Jason Pryor gets it into Selton Miguel. Cross court to Jaden Reed. South Carolina State does not completely retreat off of their pressure. He splits two guards. Gets in the paint. No look past the Hines. Oh, he did it again. Since when did Sam Hines turn into Dr. J for crying out loud? That Holy was amazing. Folks, he's, he's got, just elevated. He's got the ABA Dr. J hairstyle, but man, what an incredible athletic play he just put on. He just dunked on the world. Missed shot by South Carolina State. Here's Reed back the other way. Into the corner it goes. Selton Miguel for three. That's good. What aren't they doing right now? South Carolina State needs a timeout. The Bulls are about ready to blow the roof off this thing or rip it down one way or the other. Reed behind the back pass to Pryor, two-handed dunk, and there's his 10th assist. Wow. And spectacular form of behind the back pass for a dunk to Pryor, and Jaden Reed has a double-double with 10 assists in his first game as a college basketball player. Unreal, and people should be coming back to the Yingling Center on Wednesday night. Nice note by our engineer, Brett Olcom, who also does the men's basketball, said he's never had to turn Jim Lighthall's mic down as much as he did because there were so many highlights. That is a good thing. Chris Youngblood had 19 points. Selton Miguel, four for six on threes with 18. You heard Jaden Reed. And by the way, that Sam Hines dunk, the second one, was the number one play of the day on SportsCenter. While that was going on, volleyball was playing at the Corral, the first of two matches against East Carolina with first place in the division at stake. They won on Thursday in four sets with Maria Andrade setting a career-high 26 kills. And then last night, or actually yesterday afternoon, in a wild one, they win again in five sets. This one had everything. They were uh, up. I'm sorry, down 10-3 in the first set, won it. They were up 22-16 in the third set, lost it. And then East Carolina had a match point. Bulls win the fourth, 31-29, take the fifth. They are in first place with three matches to go, although FAU will probably be a game behind, and that's who the Bulls play next week. If they can split with the Owls, they will be the East Division champions. Bousset is on 24 kills, and Maria Andrade with 22 in yesterday afternoon's game. Wasn't a lot going on in the middle of the women's basketball game last night, but some three-point shooting at the start and a spectacular fourth quarter at the finish. Flashed around to the right side is Maria Alvarez, and that's great to see. Maria Alvarez knocks down a three, flashes it up to Emma Tuff catch, double team over to Maria, wide open, boom. Maria Alvarez says, I got this right here, and it is 13 to three. Oh, Maria pops open, she's in a rhythm, folks. Do I even need to tell you? Jose <laughs> Fernandez just gave it the, okay. Look, Maria with three threes and it's 16 to three. That's why she's in the starting lineup, folks. Rito off the break. Boy, has she been big. Second time she gets the ball before the half court line, dribbles it right to the free throw line, pulls up and drains a dandy. Keshi and just rims out. Rito looks to run. 
fakes the pass and drops it in. Carla Brito coming to play. Out to Brito. Oh, man, she has got that stroke. Tough shot. Now Brito wants to run. Three on two. Hands it off to Mputu and misses, but Brito puts it up and in. They break the press. Gonzalez across, almost travel, takes a free throw line jumper. No good. Brito, guess who? And you know what just happened. Put back by Carla Brito. She's going to have a double-double with one more rebound. Out to Brito, thinks about a three, why not? Boom. Carla Brito is now tied with Maria Alvarez for the team lead in scoring 18 points. She's got a double-double. Maria Alvarez has Carla Brito wide open in front of her, runs the lane and drops it in. Carla Brito have a fourth quarter. 20 points for the game, 16 points in the fourth quarter for Carla Brito. Not bad. You heard it, she was the savior in a game where the Bulls behind four early Maria Alvarez threes had a 23 to nine first quarter lead, saw that trim to five points and then she simply took it over. The Bulls won on Monday night as well by 16 against Texas Arlington, so they're two and zero on the season. In that first game, Danny Gonzalez scored 16 points and freshman from Italy, Victoria Blasig with three threes scored 15. Both of them combined for nine last night, so the Bulls have been doing it with different players and we'll see who they do it with on Monday night. That is our Heard That segment. I'm sorry, our Around the Horn segment. Heard That is coming up next, and we continue on our pregame show live from Raymond James Stadium. And, of course, football last night as well in the conference. SMU stays undefeated in league play. Remember, they don't have to play Tulane or UTSA, so you're going to book them in the championship game, it seems anyway. 8-2 and two overall of the Mustangs after they beat North Texas. 45-21. to 21. Also going to 8-2 and two late last night, if you didn't know. This team was 8-2, and two, UNLV beating Wyoming by 20. And on Thursday, big comeback for Louisville, which is 9-1, and one, and lining up to play Florida State in the AAC championship, ACC championship game. I'm so used to saying AAC now. Uh, we have a lot of great programming, humbly speaking, on Bulls Unlimited through the course of the week. If you're not familiar on the TuneIn app, just type Bulls Unlimited and you get to it. Uh, we have a daily, well, Monday, Wednesday, Friday is our Bulls Beat Show, where we have highlights and interviews hosted by yours truly. Then Tuesday, we bring you Bull Speed Ahead with Michael Kelly. Each of these shows hit the air first at 7 a.m. so you can get your day started. And then Thursdays, it's time for Bullseye, where we sit down with the head coach, Alex Golish. And in this case, uh, we always talk about Byron Brown. Then we get into some things I wasn't sure I wanted to talk about. There were some controversial moments last week, but he's an open book. So here's some of that in our Heard That segment. You've watched them grow before our very eyes and just continue to improve and improve and improve. And I mean, you talk about a pleasure to coach. It, it, like when he walks by you as a coach, you you, you take a, a breath and you're like, all right, man, like that's our quarterback. We're, we'll be fine. It gives you real confidence. It's like when BJ walks by us in the office. It's like that's my man right there. It's not like <laughs> you know, every time BJ walks by, I'm like, man, I really should go put something nice <laughs> to wear. Go a, underdressed for every occasion. Here, oh, come, here comes a big ask. Um, now, listen, I'm not going to ask you to talk about any play specifically. Uh, Byram got knocked out of bounds. I'll mention it. And then uh, the pick where there might have been a PI that you might have responded to on the field. But my question to you is when there are a series of plays that could have changed the outcome of the game without blaming the game outcome on those, do you go back and look at them and send them to the league? Do you have someone else do that? Or is it like, move on? Yeah, we, we get asked to evaluate every official in the game. And okay. then we we have the opportunity to go send plays that, that our director of officiating, who's done this for a really long time, back to the Big East days, um, is very honest with his feedback. And, and those guys get, get evaluated just like, just like our players do. Okay. And so, no, you certainly send them in, you get feedback back. And a lot of that feedback is more so 
so you can coach your guys the right way in terms of, man, they're letting this go in the league. They're letting this go. Hey, they're really keeping an eye on whatever, holding or defensive pass interference. What I found in this league is they, they will let you go play on the perimeter, which is, which is if it's being called both ways, you're, you're totally fine with it. And I do feel like it gets called both ways. And um, there are certainly a couple calls that, that you've, in a game where you feel like change the course of what the game is played like. And that's certainly not their intention. Um, and, and me on the sideline is more so, one, trying to get an explanation, or two, making sure our guys know that I got them and we're going we're gonna to try to get it right. Pretty cool to know that they absolutely are almost instructed to take their concerns to the league and there were some concerns. Let's hope we don't have any of that today. He also spoke about the slow start. You're going to hear some interesting comments on that and what we call our cinematic open to begin the next hour. So be ready for that at 11 o'clock. But also, speaking of the slow starts, you know, having B.J. Daniels as a co-host on the show helps out, especially given the fact that he played with the Seattle Seahawks. His coach tackle that issue from time to time we would do our best our best 11 on 11 is what we called it so uh, we would start from the 20 yard line going at the in beginning of at practice. the beginning of practice mm -hmm. i mean as soon as we're done stretching it's uh it's all out war it's defense can call any play they want offense can call any play they want uh run the 20 yard line the red zone going in where it's the shortest part of the field and the most important mm -hmm. uh but we would just get after it defensive coordinators could uh you know send bobby wagner on the blitz and, <laughs> and uh russell wilson or even i at times would have to just deal with that and adjust and figure out how to how to get going. And once that happened, I mean, the rest of practice, I mean, you you, you already had your juices flowing. So nice. it woke you up in a, in a fast way. We always talk to a player. In this case, it was Jonathan Ross on the defensive line and talked a little bit of football, but a lot about off-the-field stuff, including his special talents. He tries to sing every now and then so, is what, we, is like what we heard. So is that a little hidden talent is this of yours? A, is this a little something, something? I did... Uh, I was I was in like different musicals and stuff in high school, so okay. it was just something I decided. Hey, my brother was we was in Greece together, stuff like I that. I was Kaniki, he was um, Danny. Yeah. So keep coming with the details because you're like oh, a little something something on the side. Now it sounds like you were the lead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was the lead. I'm very humble, so sometimes no, I that's just, okay. Yeah. The singing intel was courtesy, by the way, of his roommate, which we learned, Jason Vaughn, who I saw before we taped the show, and he's looking forward to, despite being injured now for the season, coming back for a possible additional year as a bull next season because he would be eligible. We also talked to a member of a team other than football, and since it was the opening day for men's basketball, about the head coach. And in some words that would prove to be foretelling about passing the ball, this was Amir Abdurrahim as our guest before the game on Thursday night, discussing how much talent the Bulls have offensively. And oh yeah, explaining a term that I had heard a couple times but wanted to get clarification on. We have probably six or seven guys that on any given night can get you somewhere between 15 and 20 points. Yeah. Now the challenge is to get them to uh, infuse those talents together, yes. right, to, to make it hard for us, to, you know, to be defended. And so they did a good job the other night. I thought, again, 24 assists on 33 made baskets. They were really unselfish. The ball found great ball energy. Ball energy. Go yes. ahead and explain that term. I've been, yeah. I've been learning about it. So, you know, you hear ball movement all the time. And I think when guys here move the like ball movement, they don't want to. It's like, oh, you don't want me to shoot. Well, when we talk about gotcha. ball energy, you know, as long as that ball is moving, we're gonna find the best shot for the team. And that's what we talk about. It's like, hey, let the ball find energy. Once we have defense and rotation, mm -hmm. let it continue to find energy. Let's give up a good shot for a great shot. 
let's give up an, a great shot for an elite shot. <laughs> and if we can do that, you know, again, we got enough guys on the court that are capable of making shots. They all work very hard. That all turned out to be pretty prophetic because later on that night, as you heard, the men's basketball team was tremendous. And that is our Heard That segment where we bring you some of the great sound from the week again. Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, 7 to 10 a.m., Bulls meet with yours truly, repeats every half hour. Tuesday's the first chance to go bull speed ahead with Michael Kelly. He said a lot about the salute to service, and I'm sure he'll be speaking to Jim Lauk in our second hour about that, along with last night's Hall of Fame ceremony, which Jim actually emceed, and of course Michael was at as well. There's a lot going on, non-football related, and of course football related, which we'll get to. Joey Johnson had a chance to talk to Weston Wolf, but before that, we will drop knowledge and names with Sam Barrington. Well, we're kicking things off at 12 o'clock noon today. South Florida Bulls, Temple Owls in the American Conference. Jim Lighthall back with you on the pregame show. Still have another hour to get to after 11 o'clock. We'll hear from the head coach Alex Golish coming up. Get crazy is on the docket for about 10 minutes from now. That means Sam Barrington is in the booth with us. We'll talk to Sam in just a second. Partly cloudy skies right now, 86 degrees. Going to feel like 92 degrees at kickoff on this Veterans Day, November the 11th. Humidity's up a little bit, about 61%. Very slight chance for rain, and the winds are out of the south-southwest at just two miles per hour. That's beautiful football weather, a little warmer than normal, but still good football weather. Sam Barrington. Former USF linebacker joins us now. Sam will have the call of the game along with Jim Lauk and Joey Johnston. And time for Sam to drop some names and knowledge on us. Uh, Sam, uh, my son is 21 years old, and, and things roll right off of him. I found, you know, wh whether it, that's a good or bad thing. But the reason I bring that up is because you played this game. You suffered probably some terrible losses that you wanted revenge for the following year. Was that some, is that really a thing? Because I, I I just feel like with the way my son is and the way these 18 to 22 year olds are, they're so resilient. Does do things carry over from one year to the next? This team got buried by Temple last year. Yeah, you know I know I I think the interesting thing about it I don't necessarily know if I would have used the term resilient, even though a great deal of these guy these guys do have that as a character trait. I think it's more that these guys have so much that's being put in front of them every day. They have to process so much, so much different information on the daily. And it's like sometimes it's impossible to retain, you know, a past experience or, you know, we're just living in the age where it's new information every single day. Right. I think when it relates to a game, um, being at the top of these guys' mind, let's say if that game you know, was the deciding factor on whether this team became a bowl contender or that team beat this team in a championship. You know, now it's a bigger deal, right? But because they've played this Temple team so many times over the past few years, it's just like, hey, they got us that year. Now it was a route. Temple not only traveled the ball well through the air, but USF couldn't stop the run last year as well. And so I know not only is USF looking at this game last year and saying, hey, these guys beat us, we got to get them back. But Temple is saying, hey, this team probably can't stop the run again, so let's focus on that plan and let's go get the same thing done uh, again against this Temple team. So hopefully USF can right their wrongs and be a better defense than they were last week and play against the run as well as the pass a little bit better this week against Temple. Uh, that's a great point, Sam, how, how these guys have so much stuff in front of them and, and things that happened 10 minutes ago are ancient history. Were you like <laughs> that at 21? And now yeah. when you look at it 10 years later, was it the right way or the wrong way? Yeah, you know, I, 
when I was 21, I mean, Twitter was just becoming a thing. Instagram was just becoming a thing. And, you know, we use Facebook, but we didn't use Facebook in this addictive manner where it's like my free time, you know, not, not necessarily myself, but I think the average person, when they have a bit of free time, they just open up their phone and start scrolling. Facebook wasn't like that for us. Facebook was like, hey, I'm trying to catch up with this dude. Let me hit his line on Facebook, see if I can get a hold of him. Or, hey, I see this pretty girl. Let me send her a message on Facebook so I can get her attention. Social media and all of these things have changed where it's like my 14-year-old daughter, her primary mode of communication between her and her friends is social media. So, no, it's a lot different uh, back then. These guys have a different challenge to stay focused these days, so I commend them because being a college athlete looks totally different than it did 10 years ago. Sam, back to the field. These two defenses have both struggled throughout the course of the season. They're both giving up a lot of yards, a lot of points. Are we going to see another 59-50 game like we saw in Memphis last week? You know, I hope not, right, but I think it's very possible, although I do believe uh, you know, this this Temple team, I don't think they have the capability to put up points as well as USF does. You know, I mean, there's been there's been two games right this year where USF really just struggled to score the football. But when Byron Brown is hot, right, when that backfield gets going and those receivers are catching the ball out in front of them, there's not many teams in the country who can stop this offense from putting up 40-plus point, uh, point games. Looking forward to this one this afternoon. Sam will have the call along with Jim Lockham getting choked up just thinking about this game. Those guys will have the call of the game coming up at 12 o'clock noon. You can keep up with South Florida Athletics with our 24-7 audio web stream called Bulls Unlimited as we stay with the, uh, the online social media presence. You can listen on the TuneIn app to catch Bulls Beat with Derek Sharp. That's Monday mornings starting at 7 o'clock. Joey Johnston had a chance to sit down with Weston Wolf, the wide receiver, the sophomore from Venice High School, the Maryland transfer, sat with Joey today. Weston, you uh, are from Venice. You started your career at the University of Maryland. What led to your, to your decision to come back uh, to the home area and, and play for USF? Yeah, I'm super excited to be here. Um, I've had a great relationship with Coach Golish uh, through the high school recruiting process and then obviously through the transfer portal process. And uh, I'm really excited to be back home and, and play for the Bulls. I know you had a relationship with Coach Golish previously from previous recruitments. What was it like to kind of get that renewed and did were there some things in the past you remembered about him that helped want you to come back yeah so going through that recruiting process uh coach Golish was always one of my my closest relationships uh as far as coaches and in, in recruiting and uh it it was kind of sad to have to go somewhere else and not play for coach Golish but you know everything comes back around full circle and uh it's been a blessing to be able to play under him what is it like to be a tight end in this offense of Coach Golish? Yeah, I mean, we, we really do everything. Uh, we're flexed out, we're in the core, we're in the backfield, hand in the dirt, off the ball, you know, catching passes, blocking. So it's really a diverse offense, and it's a great offense to be part of as a tight end. Yeah. Um, your offense has had a lot of success the last few weeks. You scored 50 points at Memphis last week. Speak about how you, how you guys are coming together and, and how Byram is help you know helping you guys move along he's having a great season mm -hmm. yeah Byram's a special player um, you know our offensive line has stepped up our receivers have stepped up uh, tight ends are doing a better job and you know we're just we're starting to gel together as a team and and that's kind of come together come with time uh, you know so we're just going to continue to focus on getting better every week and continue to uh, gel together uh, what is the best part about being back in your home area, you know, Venice right down the road and, and your uh, family and friends get to see you play? What, you know, a little different than Maryland. So what, what's it like uh, to, to play a season here? 
Yeah, I mean, the great thing about being close to home is, you know, I got friends and family all within 30 minutes to an hour. So for every game, I'll have my parents, you know, my, my aunts and uncles, my close family friends. So that's that's really fun to have, like a little, a little uh, fan section in the stadium uh, when we're playing. So. Yeah. And as you come to the final stretch of these three games, you, you have some things at stake, uh, one of which is you could play in a bowl game if you win two more. Just speak about the mindset of the team as you come down the stretch and, and what, uh, how prepared you, get, you think you guys are to, to get done what you need to get done. Yeah, I think the mindset right now is really take it one game at a time and uh, to continue to get better as a team and uh, let the chips fall as they may. Horns up. You're locked into South Florida football. Back at Raymond James Stadium, getting ready for the South Florida Bulls and the Temple Owls. Hour one of the pregame show starting to wrap up. We have another 60 minutes coming your way. We will hear from Bulls head coach Alex Golish on this salute to service Saturday. Sam Barrington, Joey Johnston, Derek Sharp joining me, Jim Lighthall, as we get crazy. Mm -hmm. This is a end of the first hour. We kind of let our hair down. Not that any of us have long hair, but um, Derek, you have the longest hair of all of us. I have the nicest hair, i got to say that. No doubt about that. Next to Joyce. But this is an opportunity for us to get a little outlandish to try and drum something up that we think is absolutely nuts. And every once in a while, they actually hit. And it was you last week. It was me last week. Hey, you know, it's, it's kind of like now I get to dress in the champion's locker room. You get to park <laughs> in a better spot at the stadium when you're in this elite fraternity that Derek and Joey fraternity. are also in. Unfortunately, Sam, <laughs> Sam. Sam, it's an invite only. Did, did you get your jacket situation. yet? Yes, I, I've been fitted. I haven't actually got guy. it. Yeah, I, I, can't, I can't leave the grounds yeah, either. Yeah. I've never been a frat boy. <laughs> you don't strike me as one. <laughs> so, Sam, you're 0 for 8 oh, man. this year. I think you uh, made your point. Well, I know, but I, I, that's, that's very harsh. Just for historical Sam purposes. Sam has tried friends. really hard. I know he has. Let's but, recognize that. But listen, this could be the week. This could be the one, Sam. What do you got for us this week? Well, <laughs> you know, I'm going to go that, you know, I, I think USF holds this team. And the only other team they've done this against is Alabama. Huh. Kept a team under 21 points this year. Okay. Right? Whoa. I think today is the day they get it done. Um, I know what it's like to play on a defense that struggles. And, and, you know, towards the end of the year, you just hope that the guys can get it together because it's all about playing disciplined football. And Coach Orlando, uh, obviously they care about their coach, and hopefully they come out and play for him today. 21 below 21, you said? Yeah. 21 yeah. or below. 21 That's, or below. That, um, that qualifies. This is the only time that Alabama and Temple have been mentioned in the same sentence this college football season <laughs> by anyone, in fact. But that, that, I like what that about prediction. the guy who got punched in the Temple at Alabama? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Didn't hear about there that. There you go. No, well, this guy's on it. He's <laughs> definitely on it. By the way, both teams also in the women's basketball schedule. We'll go in there oh, with okay. Tuscaloosa next Thursday. Okay. I know that was unintended. All right. Uh, I've got something really crazy. All because, right. You know, and this is deep and almost a theme, but I'll make it really quick. So Temple likes to do things. Yeah, Temple Tough. They have nicknames for everybody. They have a lot of three-name people that they'd call it. CCP, DMR, JDP. If you saw their full names, you know why. Quarterback is EJ. They have two EJs. They have two DJs. So... They like to fancy that those guys are going to make big plays. Our two guys on defense that go by their initials, A.B. Mm -hmm. and J.R., at least I'm saying Jonathan Ross is going to go by J.R. today, especially with <laughs> what Jaden Reed did the other day, are both going to have a turnover, force a turnover or fall on one. So there you go. Our initial guys are going to have some initial big plays. I love this prediction Thank because you. I think this Thank defense – to Sam's point, is going to need to get some turnovers if they're going to hold this bunch under 21 points. Um, two good candidates there as well. 
Well, hopefully it wasn't a bunch of mental work for nothing. Because well, it was a bunch of mental work. A lot of times there. it is for nothing, but <laughs> hopefully not today. Joey. Joey has uh, a record of 1-8 and eight on the season, and Joey is usually good for a really crazy prediction. Well, as much respect as I am for, have for Sam Barrington, maybe as much as anybody on this planet, actually, I'm going to differ in the way I think this game will unfold. I see between Byron Brown and E.J. Warner, I see more than 700 yards of passing combined. Mm -hmm. okay. I think it's going to be that kind of game. Wow. So probably it's going to be right in the middle. That was so disrespectful. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to couch it, Sam. I, mean, it I tried to couch it. It's not, this is not personal. It's business. No yeah, offense, but. That's going to be hard for to stay under 21 points and have two guys at 700 yards. So the classic something's got to give here. Yes. We'll the see. immovable object yes. against the unstoppable you know, force. Sam and I wins? haven't put a, a side yeah. bet on it yet. But the that could happen too. The okay. that you just mangled. Okay. What's yours? Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna try to make Five it back dollars. to back weeks here. Special teams last week got a block punt. I think special teams is the key again this week. Temple, one of every three kickoffs this season, is a touchback. That's not very good. And they're also allowing 14 yards per punt return, and they've given up a 67-yard punt return for a touchdown. The Bulls will get a touchdown on a punt return. Or a kick return today. That's Somebody's taking one to the house. That's phenomenal research. And the thing about Temple is they've gotten uh, plenty of opportunities to field kickoffs. Yes, exactly. Or take them. All right. Those are the Get Crazy predictions. Bulls and Temple coming up at 12 o'clock noon. Another hour pregame next on Bulls Unlimited. Man, um, so much good. Caught touchdown. The fifth touchdown pass of the day for Byron Brown. And then so much bad. And he's going to go all the way. The backup quarterback comes in and throws an 85-yard touchdown pass. It's 51-42. to 42. All at the same time. It's the inconsistency that keeps you up at night. Alex Golish summing up a wild Saturday in Memphis. The highest scoring game in South Florida of history and the Bulls fell 59 to 50. Now back home for the first time in weeks, the Bulls face Temple today. The Owls have struggled to score points much of the season, but that all changed when quarterback E.J. Warner came back from injury. With the quarterback coming back last week, they looked like a different team. It looked like a team that had gotten jump-started, really were able to throw the ball at will, did a good job running the football. They looked like an energized football team. The Owls are coming off a hard-fought win over Navy. For the Bulls, the countdown to bowl eligibility continues. Two more wins are needed. And although getting to postseason would be quite an accomplishment for this team, the coach says there are also long-term advantages to getting to six wins. Bowl games are looked at probably differently from the outside than to what they're looked at in internally. We need that time to get our young guys on the field and work with those guys. We need time to develop. It's an extra 10 to 15 practices that you steal to be able to go and develop your younger guys. A lot on the line today. South Florida looking for win number five on the season, hoping to take another step toward a bowl game. The Bulls and the Temple Owls from Raymond James Stadium next. This is the South Florida Bulls Radio Network pregame show. Presented by Florida Blue. Rolling to the right. 
Keeps it, runs it. He's got the first down and more. Breaks the tackle. He's going all the way. Touchdown, South Florida. We're 60 minutes from kickoff. To get you ready for today's action, you'll hear from former Bulls linebacker Sam Barrington, Vice President of Athletics Michael Kelly, Offensive and Defensive Coordinators Joel Gordon and Todd Orlando. We'll tell you how the Bulls can make victory possible with USF Health. And, of course, get the final pregame thoughts from head coach Alex Golish. Back of the end zone. Caught. Touchdown. Bulls take the lead. To kick things off, here's the voice of the Bulls, Jim Lauk on 102.5 The Bulls. A very warm November morning in Tampa as the South Florida Bulls get set to face the Temple Owls. Bulls come in four and five overall. Temple broke a five-game losing streak last week. They're three and six coming off a victory over Navy. Critical game for the Bulls today as they try to get to six wins. They have a tough task on the road next Friday night against Texas San Antonio. So so this is one at home that they really want today. We'll bring in Sam Barrington, who joins us as always on the broadcast. Sam, let's talk about the first few minutes of this game today. The Bulls have started slowly on multiple occasions this year, gotten themselves down double digits. Sometimes they've been able to come back. Sometimes they haven't. But there's no argument that that's a tough place to live, especially early in the games. The coaches have studied everything, pregame routine, warm-ups, trying to find the key to starting a game faster like they must do today. What do you do about that? It's been such an ongoing challenge for this South Florida team. Sure, I, Jim, I think it starts with right, obviously throughout the course of the week, from their film study, they'll develop a tempoed, you know, task of plays that they're going to open the game with, irregardless of what Temple shows them. USF is a fast-paced offense, so at the end of the day, the defense always has to adjust to how they come out, how they line up. I think USF is going to take a shot play here on the first drive. After a few consistent runs and, and you know, a few short tempo type passes, and I think that's the type of play that's going to set USF apart in the first half. But also, it's about execution. It doesn't matter whatever the coaches put together. If the players don't go out and execute it, it's pretty difficult. And you have to play assignment football on defense to prevent Temple from also having those big plays and those shot plays that get them in the end zone early and puts USF in a position to be playing from behind. Last week, the highest scoring game in South Florida history in Temple presents a challenge. E.J. Warner threw for 400 yards last week. He's a short pass, intermediate pass guy, likes to throw it over the middle of the field, just the kind of routes that the Bulls have been somewhat vulnerable to defensively this season. Stay with us. We've got a busy hour coming up. We'll hear from Alex Golish. Michael Kelly will be here as well. And Jim Lighthouse and Derek Sharp will take you through the hour. Welcome back to our second hour of pregame coverage for South Florida and Temple. We'll kick things off less than an hour from now at 12 o'clock noon on this warm Saturday. Jim Lighthall, Derek Sharp back with you as, boy, we've got a lot to get to. Michael Kelly, the vice president of athletics, coming up. We'll talk 
to Alex Golish as well as this team needs a victory here today. Derek, boy, you got to win your home games, and you got Charlotte at the end of the season, I know. which won't mean a lot if you don't win today. And it was something because that's why it was so important a couple weeks back to get that win at UConn. Now listen, we're not stupid. We can see some of the more winnable games on the schedule sure. and some of the tougher ones, and UTSA, especially on a Friday night, uh, is going to be a tough one, and last week we knew it was going to be tough as well against Memphis, so the winnable more so games are at Raymond James Stadium. It actually sets up pretty well, but this Temple team, ignore the fact they lost to SMU 55 nothing. It's yeah. completely different. Yeah, they've got their quarterback back, and we'll talk about E.J. Warner in just a little bit. There are some changes to the starting lineup for USF today, and let's start at the wide receiver position. Well, first of all, Michael Brown-Stevens is out. Yep. Kwan Powell, running back, is out. But we're going to see Jaden Alexis and Yusuf Terry starting at the wideout position. Yeah, Chafre Brown has been a little bit up and down. He's still going to play. And where's Naeem Simmons? Well, they think he's more comfortable in the slot, so he is going to back up Sean Atkins. We'll see him a plenty. Yusuf Terry, I think... Uh, Great story. Talk about yeah. a guy that's been up and down. Uh, this would be the game where he would be motivated enough to perform because he's from Temple. Yeah, big body. From that, Philadelphia. Yeah, right. Big body from Philadelphia. Hopefully that can inspire him today. Also, we'll keep an eye on the defensive back spot. Tevin Ward will get the start instead of Braxton Clark, the Nebraska transfer. And that is something based on performance. We all know what happened last week with Braxton Clark having a very difficult missed tackle on that 85-yard touchdown pass. And so that combined with the fact that Ward has is, is really been the guy, uh, at least among the better guys in the secondary, it makes, makes it make sense. Cole Skinner will get the start at left guard today. Andrew Kilfoyle has been really busted up for the yes, last few weeks and probably can't go today. So Cole Skinner will get the start at left guard. All right. Uh, time for the Florida Lottery game outlook. Let's start on the offense here for USF. Byron Brown was sensational last week, Derek. I mean, the guy had five touchdown passes to tie the school record, but they put up 50 points and nearly 600 yards of offense. This offense is clicking coming into this game today. It really is, and it's something because you'll hear shortly here from the offensive coordinator who, along with the quarterback, thinks it can be even better, and that's, that's, amazing. that's, that's, yeah. that's an encouraging sign. But you almost just, when you lose, don't focus on some of the positives as much as you should but I think he's getting plenty of focus he's been tremendous and again such a, a leader stern when he has to be talking about Byron Brown and definitely is going to be even more focused going into this one despite the fact that they just dropped a 50 spot you know Sam mentioned the fact that he didn't think Temple had the offensive firepower to keep up with USF today this Temple team mm. is only averaging 20 points a game they're in the bottom 20 in the nation they're averaging less than 95 yards rushing per game. That's in the bottom 10 in the country. These two teams kind of do it in different ways. The Bulls have better balance than Temple does, but Temple can really throw it with Warner. Now, I, I don't want to do such extensive math on the fly, but let's point out the two games he was out, they got shut out and only scored 14 points. However, they were held to seven at Rutgers and against Miami with E.J. Warner at quarterback. But you mentioned the running game, a guy that went off against the Bulls oh, man. last year. Yeah, they didn't run it well last year, and they absolutely blitzed the Bulls on uh, the ground. Mr. Sadie, uh, Slim Sadie, 256 <laughs> yards, and I want to say his career high prior to that was, well, 200 yards less than that. Uh, needless to say, the Bulls are going to want to be a little bit stauncher and probably motivated. A lot of those guys 
now were on that team last year. On the defensive side, the Bulls are 128 in the nation in total defense. Temple is number 117. We should see some offense today. Couple of intangibles really quick. The Bulls are way down at the bottom in penalty yardage. Temple is really good. Sixth in the country in penalty yardage. And how about this? Temple has 18 giveaways this season and has three takeaways. They're way down there, minus 15 in the takeaway margin department. All right, Joel Gordon is the offensive coordinator for South Florida. He had a chance to sit down with Derek Sharp. Finally back at home at Raymond James Stadium. Let's revisit last week. I'm curious, after you score 50 in a loss, do you sit back and next day looking at film or talking with the coaches or thinking about the game go, eh, we did our part, or are you thinking only about the stuff you could have done? Yeah, you know, you think about all of it. You think about the things, things that get you excited as the growth that was made. Um, number one, it, you, you definitely feel good that, you know, some guys stepped up, answered the bell, and produced. And there was a lot of, there was a lot of production throughout the offense. That was, uh, that was really good to be able to evaluate that and see that and see some guys that maybe, you know, hadn't done that yet to the level that they did. Um, it was really good. And at the same point, it's a team game, so you, you have to understand it's about whether we won or whether we lost, you know, being able to figure out our margins where we weren't good enough and how we're going to close them. So that's the, that's the process every single week. Um, so, man, we went back to work on Sunday, and, yeah, you got the, the bottom line is we didn't do enough, you know, to, to finish the game out when we proved that we're good enough to move the football and score points. So that's the – that's the thing that we got to get over. Yeah, it feels good. We did some things that we hadn't done yet. Um, but at the same point, there still comes the bottom line of, man, having one more point than the other team. So we'll, we'll move on. One guy that we've seen throughout the course of the year start off as an experiment with the receiver and then getting hurt. And now you see Kelly Joyner back to his comfortable role. How cool was that to see? How has he been working behind the scenes to get to that point? Yeah, you know, anytime. You know, Kelly's been a he's been a a great teammate for us on offense. You know, obviously, like you said, we asked him to play wide receiver in the spring game. Then he moved back. Then he moved back to wide receiver in the <laughs> beginning of the year because he has a skill set that he's capable of doing it. He's very talented. Um, and then he and then he injures his foot. And any time that you're down and away from the game for as long as what he was, man, that's a it's a hard thing to go through at times. So, number one, just to see him back on the practice field leading up to him getting his confidence back um, to be able to go out there and play was awesome. And then to go be on the field and, man, be productive, that's what you, that's what you want to see. You know, he worked really hard to get himself healthy again, and we're hoping that he can stay that way because he definitely brings a different flavor to the offense. One guy I'm curious to get your thoughts about. Last time I think we talked about Sean Atkins, it was joking as far as him being able to throw the ball. But he's up for the honor as the guy that started off his career as a walk-on. When you guys evaluated him, you know, going in, was that part of your thinking, you know, okay, here's a walk-on, we're probably not going to see much, or was it just like, wow, you can see a lot from him because he's, he's unbelievable? Yeah, you know, the, the, I didn't know much about Sean at all. You know, and uh, I think one of my early conversations with Gary was, you know, out of all the receivers that, you know, you've played with here, you know, man, who do you feel like you have a good amount of trust with and a, and a good feel for what's going on, you know, throwing the football to? And Sean was the first guy, 
you know, that he said. So, you know, whether he's a walk-on or not, like one of the first clips that I remember watching and I remember seeing it in the season um, when I was not, not working here was the two-point play against Florida. Yep. And that's not an easy play. You know, it's a critical situation, intense atmosphere. And you're like, man, anybody that can do that in that situation is going to have a little, you know, stuff to him. So he just continued to prove that that's what he was about and, and what he does on the football field. And he doesn't have a he doesn't have a day where he comes out here and he doesn't compete and he doesn't, you know, just be Sean. But he's awesome. One other guy I got to ask you about. Let's keep the theme going. Versatile guys and maybe getting him into some different situations. Izzy Carter. <laughs> we got to see him for the first time. I'm sure you guys have been just dying to see what he can do or get a, find a way to get him on the field. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, – yeah, we've been trying. Um, <laughs> and, you know, sometimes that's a challenge. But at the same point, he's, uh, he's worked hard behind the scenes to earn some trust too. Okay. So, you know, not, not that you just want to throw him out on the field just to see him – an experiment with him. You need to trust him first, and he earned that. And man, he's a he's got a unique skill set. So that was really good to be able to get him out there. Um, he was hungry, you know, for the opportunity, and was prepared for it. And did a nice job out there. And then last thing, first chance to ask you this: How do you feel about noon kickoff? Kickoffs. I'm a fan. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it's been a while. It's been a while since we've been a part of one. Um, haven't been a part of one here. So I've always loved them. You know, in the past. So I'm excited to, yeah, have a little bit of a change up and you know, get, get, the, get the day started early. And then get the celebration started early. Best of luck, Coach. Thank you. Beautiful day in Tampa. A little bit warm for November, but that may play into the Bulls' favor with the Temple Owls from Philadelphia in town today. Vice President of Athletics Michael Kelly is down on the field. Michael, let's start with basketball today. The women now 2-0 after beating Stetson yesterday, and the men with a debut game that I think we're going to look back at for a long time as this season and future seasons unfold they hung 96 on South Carolina State and that team showed us a whole different style of play that the fans really responded to in the Yingling Center yes I'm delighted that both of our basketball teams are off to an undefeated start but as and as you mentioned our, our men's team just a really dynamic performance just a good vibe in the Yangling Center the other night for opening night great turnout for from our students great turnout in general with the curiosity I think of the new program only three returning members of last year's squad that, uh, uh, and a lot of new faces. But uh, the big takeaway, I agree with you, was an exciting style of play, uh, uh, an element of togetherness that coaches talked about a lot over the offseason that uh, was quite evident, at least in their first outing. A lot of great ball movement, a lot of scoring from all over the place, and uh, key contributions coming from many, many players. More basketball this week. The women play at home on Monday. The men play at home on Wednesday. So get out to the England Center if you can. While basketball was going on, had two things going at once a lot of this week. Volleyball was playing. They had East Carolina in town with the new scheduling matrix. Now sometimes you play conference teams twice across two days. Bulls were in a battle for the top spot in their conference. 
conference with East Carolina. And Michael, they got him twice, two wins for the Bulls, and that program just continues to turn things around this year. Such a fun time to be around USF volleyball right now. Despite, you know, it was a good season on a good trajectory a couple weeks ago, but to go last week up to Temple and, and get both of those, like you said, on a back-to-back -back situation and to come back home uh, with a tie for first place with East Carolina and to take both those games uh, was, was critical. And in both cases, they had time, situations where it was uh, either a set that we probably gave away that we uh, wish we hadn't, but uh, still to have the uh, gumption and the fortitude to come back and uh, win those, both, both those matches. So really exciting, a two-game lead now uh, in, the, uh, in the Eastern uh, Division. So it would be, it would be so great to see uh, our women be able to finish and get that division title. Last night in downtown Tampa, the annual Hall of Fame induction ceremony, Evelyn Vienne, Jeff Atnella, Kelly Lagadros. Those are always fun events. And I think it was special also last night, Michael, because two great programs in South Florida athletics, women's golf and women's soccer, getting their very first enshrinees in the Hall of Fame. That was nice to see, and it was a great outing. Thanks all that came out last night, and it was also cool, particularly for the two programs you mentioned, and also for men's soccer, who has one previous uh, person that got in, uh, to have uh, a lot of representatives from our current teams uh, be there to kind of look up to uh, uh, those great role models that our Hall of Famers do in terms of uh, Jeff, Evelyn, and, and, and Kelly. So those folks were thrilled. It was great to see them be honored like they should. And again, you can't take uh, Hall of Fames for, for granted, Jim, as we talked about. I mean, we've probably had about 10,000 student athletes in the 50 year history, 50 plus year history of USF athletics. And there's now what, 30 to 35. I mean, some of them are teams, some of them are individuals, some are administrators, but about 30 or so athletes that have been reached the pinnacle of being admitted at this point to the USF Athletics Hall of Fame. And it was great to uh, induct those folks last night and see the pride uh, amongst them and their families. Football today, crucial game in conference play as the Bulls strive toward bowl eligibility. But it's also Veterans Day, and it's salute to service today, and that's uh, something that's near and dear to all of our hearts and a great ticket program that created some seating opportunities for servicemen and women today. That was quite a success. Yeah, this, uh, this event each year for us in terms of our football-themed promotions is always one of my favorites, obviously, and we're so lucky to play actually on the Veterans Day date today, uh, today this, this season. And, uh, you know, we wear the special helmets. We've got uh, ability with the tickets, like you said, with this community. We've had generous people that have either donated tickets they couldn't use or bought tickets through our Vet Ticks uh, uh, system that uh, probably will provide as much as five to 7,000 veterans or mili current military families that will be attending today's game because of that generosity. So it's an appropriate salute. Uh, we're excited about it. And, uh, you know, when you think about the way that USF is such a great, great uh, supporter of, of veterans, one of the leading veterans affairs schools in the country in terms of people that come to USF after their services finish to be able to get their college degree. And then you think about our, all of our ROTC, ROTC cadets and all the different branches that will be honored on the pregame field today. And then when you also go one step further and just think about uh, our relationship with McDill and the military community around here that, uh, again, allows us to serve them, which doesn't say serve us each and every day for our, our protection. 
Michael, thanks. Beautiful day for football. Enjoy it. Let's go do it. Go Bulls. Vice President of Athletics, Michael Kelly, stay with us. We are about 35 minutes away from kickoff. The Bulls and the Temple Owls from Raymond James Stadium. Pre-game continues. And welcome back to Raymond James Stadium on this Saturday. Veterans Day. Salute to service game. South Florida getting ready to take on the Temple Owls. We'll kick things off just about 12 o'clock. I love at 13, or 36 and a half minutes when the when the big fellow starts to come on the field. You start to see the offensive line, defensive line. They join the skill position guys, and that means we're just about ready to start playing some football. Follow the South Florida Bulls radio network on Twitter. Search at Bulls Unlimited to follow. Time now in the pregame to find out what is Sam thinking. Joey Johnston asks that question. Well, I'm going to set up Sam with a little statistical comparison just uh, that might be a little shocking, but it's interesting. So when Sam Barrington played linebacker for the Bulls as a sophomore in 2010, uh, the USF defense allowed 26 touchdowns that season. The next year, Sam's junior year, the Bulls allowed 27 touchdowns for that year. The last four weeks, this defense has allowed 27 touchdowns. So I say this just to put in perspective what we have seen from this defense over the last month, which is not what we want to see. But Sam, uh, when you put it in those terms, you, obviously the, uh, they're giving up many more points than, than they need to. So what do you think is the problem uh, with this defense over the last month? Yeah, I think it's a combination of several different things, right? It's easy to take a look at talent. It's easy to take a look at, you know, scheme and all those things, right? But I, I think the, the number one thing that these guys have to do is just rest their minds and play assignment football because I can guarantee you, right, you can take a team that's really talented and you can take a team that's not as talented but more disciplined and that team wins the bouts more times than none. And the thing that I've seen here over the past few weeks when this defense has not been playing good football, it's not because they don't have guys who are as talented. You know, Florida has some of the more talented guys in the country. I mean, I'm looking at them warming up. You know, they're jumping high. They're running fast. They're catching the balls at the high point. But can you do your job is the question that I have for this defense today. Because obviously, Coach Todd Orlando, there's been so many different offensive coaches who have complimented his scheme of defense. He just needs his players to go out and represent the right way and do their job, play assignment football, and play disciplined football. So with three games left in the regular season, I mean, obviously you're not going to completely change the scheme. You can change personnel to a point, uh, but you can only do so much of that. So what can they do in the next three games to, to make it better? In the next three games to make it better, I mean, it's still about my initial statement, right? Playing disciplined football, playing good football. But I think beyond anything, what does Sam Barrington want to see? I want to see a guy separate himself as the leader, not just the way you know, he talks or what he says, et cetera, et cetera, because he's an upperclassman. Can you separate yourself on the field with your gameplay, right? Can you make the play when your team needs it most? Can you make those impact, impact plays? Hey, the stadium ain't full today, but make everybody in this stadium say ooh and ah by the way you're playing the game. That's what I think we need. We need one or two guys on defense who can show up in that fashion, and that's what's going to make a difference today. What changed, Sam, from the early season? I'm thinking about the Alabama game where it, it certainly looked to the naked eye like the defense had turned a corner and was really making great progress. What, what has changed since the early season to right now that, that's not allowing those things to happen on the field? Well, 
to the naked eye get it looked that way, but my eyes had closed on that day, right? I was always skeptical about that Alabama performance, but one of the things that I can say about that Alabama performance was the team played with a ton of emotion. And again, aside of leadership, bring some emotion today, right? I know these guys don't have a, 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 a speaker in their locker room listening to my voice, but if somebody can get these guys a message, they need emotion, E-M-O-T-I-O-N. I got good vocabulary. <laughs> Emotion we needed today from this defense. And, and one final thing on this uh, point, uh, you know, obviously not a great month. You, you've given up 50-plus in three games. Um, what about the mental side of it? You know, the carryover of it, the, the something goes wrong, here we go again kind of thing. How do you, how do you snap out of that funk when it's, when it's happening and you're kind of looking around and saying, what the heck's going on? Wow, I think that's a great question because, you know, you are talking about maturing young men, young men who are growing into themselves and getting, and getting, you know, to a point where they can understand how to handle adversity and how to, you know, look yourself in the mirror and see something that you're not necessarily happy with, deal with it, accept it, you know, admit it, and then change it. It's difficult for any man on this earth. So for these 18 to 23-year-old young men, obviously it's a difficult thing to do, but that's why leadership is so important, not just from the coaches, but amongst themselves, right? When they see another guy doing it, I've always believed in this. You put a candle that's lit next to one that's not lit, what happens to that candle? It also becomes lit. Who's going to light the candle today for this USF defense? All right, Sam, thanks a lot. Guys, that's what Sam is thinking. All right, thanks, Joey. Thanks, Sam. They'll have the call of the game with Jim Lout coming up at the top of the hour, 12 o'clock. Now let's listen to defensive coordinator Todd Orlando with Derek. Coach, we all know it was not your best week last week, and there were some moments when you, in the second half, got it turned back around. Was there, though, one key area that you are really trying to focus in on, or is it a little bit of everything? Well, maybe a little bit of everything, but, you know, the explosive plays and the inability to finish plays, that's probably the two things that stand out the most. You know, we had some uh, opportunities out there. I, you know, I counted myself probably three or four interceptions that I thought we could we could finish. We didn't. You know, there was some uh, assignment mistakes slash there was some missed tackling out there. So that, that's the stuff that we have to clean up. You know, that's you can't, you know, disappointed from the standpoint that uh, we didn't, you know, from our standpoint, didn't make the plays and give our offense an opportunity because they had it rolling. And, you know, it's disappointing from that standpoint. One guy that's been not disappointing all year, and you referenced the missed tackles, that you would not want to pin anything on Braxton Clark because I'm sure, you know, he usually makes that play. Overall, though, hasn't he been so great in that secondary? Well, yeah, it's, uh, you know, from the standpoint of like a play like that, which is like we started to have a lot of momentum during that series, you know, starting quarterback is out of the game and, you know, make a couple stops there. But, you know, from a back end standpoint, you know, especially when some of the balls have been thrown up for Braxton, he's done a really good job of competing for him. He's a big kid. He's strong at the point of attack and can finish some plays. So that's good. But just collectively overall as a group, we've got to find ways. I mean, obviously it starts up through the front seven, but we've got to find ways to make sure that we can get the ball on the ground because there's just too many explosive plays um, and, you know, gains of, you know, 13, 14 you can deal with, but when they're 40 and, like, his play was a really long one at critical time, those are things we have to eliminate. You know, you mentioned interceptions that are there, and I know you probably recognize them right away. 
every time I'm at the IPF, I hear guys working on the jugs guns. It's both sides of the ball. Do you guys get a little extra work in that? Yeah, it's a, you know, that's a skill set. You know, a lot of people just assume that, you know, when you grew up, you just caught a ball and you got good at it, but there was repetitions to go with. And there's, you know, at certain positions, especially at corner and the back end, you're going to get only X amount of opportunities to get your hands on footballs. And, uh, you know, our belief is the more that you can rep it, the more you can get the feel of a football through the air, whether it's in practice, but just getting the extra work in, you know, after practice. So those are things that we do in all positions. Um, you know, a linebacker spot, then linebacker, they might get their hands maybe on three balls a year. <laughs> and if they touch your hands, you got you got to be able to make the play. So it's a skill set that can be developed, and we take it pretty serious around here. Uh, we talk about a lot of the leaders on the team in the past. I, I'm curious, though, when you have a tough game, are there uh, is there a guy or a couple guys on the squad that take it a little bit harder than others and you know about it right away? <laughs> yeah, well, I think you all do when you get out of a game like that because collectively it was, you know, there was a handful of guys that, you know, we expect to play a lot better than what they did. And But um, when you're a family, I think everybody, there's. I don't think there's anybody, even if you played exceptional, I don't think there's anybody that you know, that would go in there and not be disappointed. This is all about us trying to learn how to win. And I think um, I th- we've done a really good job of, of preaching the team success and what team success will come individual success. So uh, I think the kids understand that part of it. I think they're just most disappointed in the, the amount of opportunities to to finish or make plays and once again you know small amounts of hesitation you know I talked to them uh, on on Wednesday and I just like hey like just just cut it loose cut it loose go take your shot and I promise you everybody will be right behind you running you know for you so let's let's not be a step slow Um, don't do the things over processing and you'll be surprised how many plays you'll make uh, right or wrong, it's probably more comfortable, more easy to let it loose when you're at home. I mean, gosh, it's great to be back at home. Does that help you guys a little bit? Yeah, it sure will. I mean, it's um, unique because it's a, a noon game, um, which is different, you know, and it's as a college player and, um, you know, from our standpoint, you know, if you're traveling from a distance or if, you know, if you're at home, we're fortunate because the majority of our, our practices are in the morning. So for us, it's not like uh, waking somebody up is a little bit difficult. So you don't know what the opponent's schedule is on the weekly, but it, it should be advantage. And, uh, and like I said beforehand, we're, you know, we're still playing meaningful games in November, but we have to, we have to play well defensively. You know, it's, it's our time to, to do the things just like we did versus UConn, to put our, our offense in position to do it and finish plays. That's the, the thing that I've been trying to preach more than anything else is when you have an opportunity to make play, um, we can't go over when we have to find, you know, three or four. You know, we look back at it and we showed the tape. There's probably about 16 plays that we feel comfortable as coaches saying, like, this should be a play that's made that they actually made a play on us. And if we make just five of those plays, it's a different ball game. So we're just, uh, like I said beforehand, um, whatever that is, whatever the hesitation is, we're trying to eliminate that part of it and go play fast. This is the South Florida Bulls Radio Network. Just about 20 minutes away from kickoff between South Florida and Temple. Jim Lighthall back with you on the pregame show. Salute to service game. Joined now by Joey Johnston as we go through our making victory possible. MVP. This is our keys to the game presented by USF Health, ranked as the nation's fastest rising medical school for research and primary care over the past decade by U.S. News and World Report. These keys are brought to us by Joey Johnston exclusively as his article on GoUSFBulls.com broke down each of these points. So, Joey, let's hit the highlights on this one. And 
USF has been down double digits in the first half, five consecutive games, and your number one key for this game today is to start fast. Yeah, you know, you see it happen in college football and the NFL, for that matter. Teams go through these phases where they just cannot get anything going in the first quarter and everything else seems fine the rest of the game. The Bulls have got to find a way to not play from behind today because they've been doing that for about a month. And it, it, as Alex Golish likes to say, a very tough way to live. So the Bulls, the best thing for the Bulls to do would be to get the ball and to score uh, right off the bat. That would that would change everything. So that that is the charge. And Alex Golish has challenged his players to come out Come out in all cylinders and let's get on the board first. You said that punt is a four-letter word. Explain that. This is going to be a high-scoring game where every possession and every uh, point is going to be precious. So in my mind, if you are around midfield and you have a fourth and four, you go for it. It's, that, it's going to be that kind of game. I don't think you can afford to punt. Obviously, if you're backed up at your goal line or you're, you're at a crazy fourth and 20, uh, you have no choice. But if you think you have a good play and you can make it, I think you've got to go for it because every possession is going to matter. And by the end of the game, you're going to wish you had them back if you had punted. The turnover battle is huge, but getting in E.J. Warner's grill is most important. Yes, you've got to get him off his spot, make him uncomfortable. The Bulls have shown some pressure. Uh, in parts of the season. They've got to bring it today and, and make him worried and, and hopefully force him into some takeaways. Quick look at the injuries. It's going to be Cole Skinner getting the start at left guard today. Kwan Powell and Michael Brown-Stevens are out at the skill positions. Jaden Alexis will start at wide receiver. So will Yusuf Terry, big wide out from Philadelphia. Tavin Ward will start in the defensive backfield for Braxton Clark. All right, Jim Lauk will sit down with head coach Alex Golish next. And it's an early start, 12 noon. Head coach Alex Golish joins us. Coach, we haven't had a 12 noon game this year. Some coaches prefer playing in the day. Some like to wait to evening. Do you have a preference at all, or is it just getting the job done and getting ready and not worrying about the time? Yeah, I think it's probably the latter. Not not super worrying about the time. I am excited to see how we play in the morning. You know, we have we this is week ten and we have not had a morning yet. So we practice in the mornings. Our guys are up every morning. I, I, I really I really hope that we come out and and it's just like practice where you got to get going fast. Bulls have had their challenges in some games getting started in the early going. I know you've studied it from every angle. What conclusions do you draw? What can you do different to have the first few minutes of games go a little bit more smoothly? Man, I've gone back and forth and, and examined it like crazy. You know, we, we've done some things in practice to get us going early, put the ball down and played early in practice to, to force us to jumpstart what we do. It really kind of goes against a little bit of how I think you should practice, where you got to work your way into a full speed deal. But our guys responded. They were excited to get going early in practice. And so I think it's just the attention to detail. I think there's so much that goes into playing well. I think in a lot of ways, maturity, the ability to say, all right, lights are on, we're going. And, um, and I think in a lot of ways, we're still immature um, and immature in the sense that we, we haven't played enough football for guys to understand what their process really should be. And so we're continuing to adjust as coaches to make sure we get going fast, and, and hopefully you'll see that today. You talked a lot this week about valuing consistency from your players, even to the point sometimes of having that be a little more important than pure physical talent. Was that a hard place to get to for you, or did circumstances just kind of dictate that mindset? 
Yeah, I think the the longer you go and the harder situations get, the the more the more guys' true colors come out. And you train them in the offseason to to eliminate finding out on game day what the heck happens, you know, and and I think for me as I've gone and I've seen the guys that have consistently played at a high level, they're guys that consistently practice at a high level. They're guys that consistently live their lives in on in in the right way. They're guys that consistently go to class in the right way. I think you can get flashes of talent at times and they can excite you, but I think the maturity as I've grown as well would tell me the guys that are doing everything right are the ones that you trust and play the ones that you trust, which is which is a tough tough lesson to learn because you've got some guys that are talented that, that won't play as much as they, they maybe think they should or other people think they should, but for me, knowing where guys are going to be, knowing how they're going to perform is more important in football than maybe a little bit more talent or a little bit flashier play from some. Let's talk a little bit about Temple. They are a team that periodically has had difficulty scoring points, and that all changed when E.J. Warner came back, and uh, they look totally different on offense now with him the last couple of weeks. What does he bring to the table that changes the way you attack the Owls? You know, E.J. is is really, really talented, especially in the intermediate pass game. He gets the ball in, in space to the right guys. He makes good decisions with the ball in his hand. Um, you know, was out with a concussion for a little bit, came back last week against Navy, and, and they threw the ball over the yard. And so I, I think for us, the ability to keep keep close coverage on guys, the ability to mix up pictures to get him to squeeze the ball an extra count, the ability for us to force him into second and long and force him into true throwing situations is going to be the key to our success. Offensively, you know, when you put up 50 points, as the Bulls did a week ago, that's certainly good production offensively. But the word consistency kind of comes to mind there as well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, our, our job offensively is to score one more point than them. So I, I think you can get lost in, in all of it and saying, well, 50 is, is, is a lot. You know, I was in that stadium three years ago. We scored 49 and it still wasn't enough either. So it's it's our guys are learning and growing, too, and saying, man, we got to find a way to score one more than them. And you look at certainly the first drive of the game where where we turn it over inside our own 20. And then you look at at the end of the game where we get two drives the week prior, we drove it 90 and, and went and did what we had to do. We had two tries inside. It backed up inside our own 15 and, and couldn't get a first down going. So inconsistent. There were certainly opportunities there to go score really three more times, and we didn't. And you end up in a nine-point ball game. And so I think the quarterback is playing at a high level. I think at times we have executed at a high level, but I still think there's inconsistency certainly at times in the run game, certainly at times um, on on first and ten, which is where we've stressed so much of growth. Uh, but I think it's all year one, Jim. It's it's year one. I've been through this, and there's inconsistencies all over the place. And I think especially when you're up and down and the ability to – to continue to get better every week is going to be the key to our lay, us laying the foundation for something special here. Well, you've been through this multiple times with programs trying to change and evolve. And I'm curious now, as we hit game 10 today, 
are you about where you thought you might be with this program? It, it seems like as a lot of things unfold this year, your comment is, yeah, I've seen that before. Yeah, I feel like every week it's deja vu. I really do. And I think that's why you see me not be too up or too down on any part of it. I I really, I, I have, I've been through almost every situation that we've encountered from a personnel standpoint, from a football standpoint, from a recruiting standpoint, I have been through. And that's why my demeanor stays consistent. It's we're laying a foundation. We're, we're continuing to grow in, in what we do. Everything you see is on game day, and that's what I get evaluated on. But what I see is within our walls, we're continuing to grow. We're continuing to grow as leaders. We're continuing to grow physically. We're continuing to grow with understanding what's right, what's wrong, and what process really looks like. You'd like it to be accelerated as much as you can. Um, it's at times accelerated. At times, it's not. But I, I don't know where we would have been. Um, I, I know this. I, I said it from the beginning. There's there's really no no ceiling and no no basement to where, where where we're going. I think we're trying to get as good as we can, as fast as we can. And, and we'll look back in, in January and say, you know, we underachieved here. We overachieved here. We'll look at where we got to grow and get better. And we're going to work hard on anybody in the country to get it better in the offseason. And so I guess I, I haven't really evaluated in any way. I, I'm so focused on getting ready for Temple and then a short week for UTSA and then coming back home and, and playing Charlotte. And then after that, we'll look back and see where we're at and go play ball from there. Coach, thanks. Good luck today. It's the Bulls and Temple coming up, and we're looking forward to kickoff right after this on the South Florida Bulls Radio Network.